Welcome to Making Conversations, a podcast from makers Gemma Millen and Robin Galway. Today we are making conversations with Fiona Shannon, a potter who is based in Port Stewart, Northern Ireland. Well, here we are, our final episode of Series 1 from our Making Conversations podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our episodes so far as both Robin and I have had the most fantastic time working together to create this podcast and speaking with all the makers featured within our first series has been so wonderful. So the biggest thank you to everyone who has worked with us over the last few months to make this happen. We are ending this series with a brilliant episode that features Potter Fiona Shannon as our guest. Fiona has the most incredible drive and enthusiasm towards making. It was such a pleasure to record surrounded by her beautiful work in her studio, which is based in Flowerfield Arts Centre in Port Stewart. So let's not delay any more and listen to Fiona Shannon. Okay, so we are with Fiona Shannon uh, in your beautiful studio here, which is based at Flowerfield Arts Centre, Flowerfield Arts. Yeah, Flowerfield Arts Centre. Amazing, in Port Stewart. Uh, And it's a really sunny day as well. Me and Robin just drove up here. It is an interesting car journey. <laughs> but fantastic. Not best but uh, yeah, it was great. You just got here one place. Yeah, yeah, we did. We're really so excited. This studio is incredible. Could you talk us through your studio? Yeah, so um, small enough studio space, but um, it's got loads of lovely natural lighting. So we work in here some of the time just without the lights on. So I share the studio with um, another potter, Jack McGonagall. So, um, we both do our own work and then we can use sort of the facilities in Flowerfield as well, the kilns on through and then the teaching space as well. So it's um it's really handy and really easy access to, sort of as a business to um to run my own um, production line but teach as well. Brilliant. And so they have kilns here, you didn't have to bring a kiln or anything? No, so they have kilns here. I have my own kilns at home as well. Um, Multiple kilns? Okay. I do, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I got a wee bit of, I got funds for um, both my kilns. I have a small 60 litre one, okay. which is one I started out with. Um, and I was really struggling because the more orders that was coming in, I was finding it hard to get them all through the, the mm-hmm. one kiln. Then I did a trade show and then um, just ended up getting so overwhelmed, so I was like, all right, I'm just going to have to get another kiln here, which is lucky enough, I got a bit of funding from the local council and um, the Enterprise Award, so I was able to get a bigger kiln through that, um, so that really helped me be able to take on large orders then and mm-hmm. sort of develop on, because I wouldn't be able to do it otherwise. Brilliant. Um, and then even at the weekends, we wouldn't have access to the kilns in Flowerfield, so I can put them on at home or just put like a test firing on there. Um, so yeah, it's really handy. I'm glad to have, have a couple, because I know as a potter, it can be a struggle, you know. Whenever I was starting out, I ended up, um, you know, bought some work up and bring it up to other potters, borrowing kilns or paying someone else to do it. So it's so um, much handier now that you just have your own one. Brilliant. And they're not gas kilns here, they're electric? Yeah, so they're um, electric. Um, whenever I, was studying I did use gas kilns um, so I maybe would like to get one in the future just so I can um, play about with it but the gas and electric will give you different effects mm-hmm. so um, whenever I came back from studying I had mainly focused on using gas kilns so I kind of had developed a new range of glazes and colours for 
an electric kiln, so I'm kind of just um, sort of finishing up with that sort of glaze e exploration now um, and kind of getting something that I'm happy with um, in an electric kiln. Um, so I think it's probably good to have that sort of knowledge of glazes and fires in electric kilns because um, they're sort of more easier to come by than the, the gas ones and you can always bring them with you to a new studio <laughs> or you know there's not as many limitations on them. Mm -hmm. Is um sorry as a non-ceramicist mm -hmm. do the glazes change drastically in a gas kiln or are them are they more regular whenever you use an electrical like every fire will be pretty much the same? Yeah so they'd be, they'd be pretty much the same in electric which is good sort of for like production where mm -hmm. shops are looking for <clears> things. Or um, so they would change quite a lot in a gas, but then that's also like the beauty of it. Um, we're sort of each fire or each pot really comes out a little bit different, which is lovely as well. So sometimes when I'm making the exact same thing over and over again, kind of like oh, I quite like to you know when you open the kiln and have a little surprise. Mm -hmm. Good, a good surprise. You do get bad surprises as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to to have one as well so yeah and you kind of have that freedom as well slightly with the electricons don't you that you can i kind of refer to it as like plug and play like yeah you can kind of you know Rest set it and walk away yeah um, versus the gas you do need to just be there and yeah it and turn it up and... yeah so i would be on like edge all day if i'm in <laughs> doing the gas fire and then um, whenever I was studying, it was lucky because there used to be maybe four of us there in the kiln, so you know we'd all take turns going down and um, checking on it. So it wasn't too bad, but yeah, it'd be a different story whenever you're by yourself and firing it by yourself. Yeah, fantastic. So how did you get into ceramics? Um, were you taken to workshops and stuff when you were a kid, or do you have any family members that are ceramicists? Um, I think actually, like. I was always interested in art and I probably, so I'm from Portster as well, so I probably actually started like my artistic career <laughs> as a young artist in Flowerfield sort of doing some workshops, you know, participating um, and then after school art was probably one of my strongest subjects so um, I think I had applied to do something else at uni and just decided no that wasn't right for me, you know, at the last minute and ended up going and doing the foundation um, course in art in Lynn Valley. Brilliant. So um, I wasn't sure about doing it at the start because um, all my friends were heading off to uni and kind of seemed like I was just sort of staying here. But like looking back now, it was the best thing that I could have done. Mm -hmm. um, like the course is fantastic and I'm still really good friends with loads of the girls that um, was on the course with me. So um, on the foundation, we got to explore lots of different um mediums so I actually quite like enjoyed painting so I thought I'd quite like to go on to university and do painting but my tutor obviously saw <laughs> that I was quite good at ceramics and sort of pushed me you know like to put down ceramics as uh, the main discipline so um I applied to University of Ulster then and got into the contemporary applied arts degree there mm -hmm. and then specialised in ceramics. So um studied that for three years and was able to explore all the different things within ceramics there. So um did a little bit of soot casting, hand building and then throwing. So I kinda took to throwing and really enjoyed it. Um and then um worked on that sort of for my final degree show. Mm -hmm. Um so 
Yeah, I've I, and ever since I sort of started throwing in uni, I wouldn't um do anything else. I wouldn't do handling or anything. Um, so yeah, that's probably what I enjoyed doing the most. So right. Yeah. Sorry, was the throwing that you done at uni was that your first experience of throwing, or did you do it at Limavady or? Um no, first experience of throwing there. Um, so we would have maybe been um given a demonstration like once a week or something, and then you could just work on as you please. So um we were in every day, sort of Monday to Friday, nine to five. Um, but it was all quite um self driven. So you you were in when you wanted to be in. Um, but quite a lot of the people in my course were, were in sort of long hours and tried to put the time in to sort of develop their skills. So um, I know maybe some other courses that you know you just kind of maybe have one lecture a week and then don't do have to do anything for the rest of the week. But I suppose because ours is so hands on. Yeah, that's yeah. It. And there's just so many processes that, you know, they can't even touch on sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. just so much, but... And so what was your degree show like? Can you discuss the work that you developed for that? Yeah, it feels so long ago now. <laughs> yeah. um, so I um, made probably about 30 throwing vessels and they were all um, smoke fired. Wow. So um, they were in a dustbin full of like combustible materials. So like sawdust and then they had some like banana skins in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember dipping string in red iron oxide and then wrapping it around the pots and then again and so there was a lovely smoky finish from the sawdust and then the red iron would give it um big lovely red marks on it as well so it was all about um like the patina of time rust and memories and being captured in these vessels and I would maybe put some like red iron oxide in my hands and print them onto the pots and then they would come up in the firings as well right. uh, and then displayed them all on three um, old like railway sleepers, got them cut up mm-hmm. so they were um, looked really old and rustic as well and then I made, I dipped into a wee bit of metalwork <laughs> and made some um, like metal spoons um, so I looked at um, like really old clock hands as well and um, made the handles of the spoons um, sort of similar to the old really intricate clock hands so um, they were um, quite decorative um, so I think actually ended up selling some of the metalwork stuff I'd never done it before the trade show but just on a whim just decided to go and do some of that as well Brilliant. so yeah it was probably a combination of the two um, so yeah, I enjoyed working with both the materials. Excellent. And then how did you, you said that you saw quite a few, was that a, your first sort of selling experience, obviously? Yeah. And I, um, very much in product, did, how did that sort of experience kind of form you or did it have any? Yeah, no, it was probably like amazing because it was your first sort of sales and, um, or even, you know, Sometimes someone else sells something for you, and you'd walk up and just see a red dot and something like the excitement, like <laughs> unbelievable. Um, so yeah, it was lovely, and then sort of to leave, you know, with a wee bit of money in your pocket as well. It's great to start you off on on your next journey, whatever you're gonna do. So. Absolutely. So what was your next journey? What did you do once you graduated? So I ended up um 
going down to do the tour, the course in Thomastown in Kilkenny. So it's a pottery skills and production course. Um, it's two years long and we worked again Monday to Friday, nine to five. Um, I always describe it as very similar to like the Great British Bake Off where you get like a set piece at the start of the week and you have to have it mastered by the end of the week. Oh, okay. So we had three lectures, one was there full time and the other two were guest lectures so came in on like a bi-weekly basis mm-hmm. and um, they would have really focused on teaching us the skills of how to make the certain piece each week. Um, there was 12 of us started the course and 10 of us finished it so it's quite an intensive programme. Um, and it's hard as well because you're sort of in the same building everyone's really focused and sort of all day every day um, mm. and there's not really that much you don't get much um, break so you're all having lunch together all having break together as well so um, but yeah it's like it was a fantastic course and really glad I did it and that's probably where I learned all my skills from so um, as well as the throw-in then we would have been taught about firing and then there's a really great sort of glaze research lab down there as well so you can do loads of um, glaze testing, lots of um, small electric kilns and um, we had small um, fast fire gas kilns so mm-hmm. we would call them rocket kilns so you could have them up um, to temperature in an hour or two and then back down again so we always say like you could dip a glaze and glaze a pot in the morning and then be drinking out of it in the afternoon so yeah it's so fast like and um, so it's good for if you've mixed up a big bucket of glaze just testing whether and um, it works okay whether you've mixed everything up right before you glaze all your work in it um mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's good to have all the facilities just at hand there yeah it's fantastic and it is supposed to be a very competitive course even to get in to the course as well how did you find that yeah so um the first stage is an application process and then you're called for a shortlist and called for an interview. Um, so went in for the interview and you have to bring a portfolio of work with you and some pieces from your exhibitions. I think I ended up maybe taking some of the work from my degree show down for the interview for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that you're called for an aptitude test, so skills test and I think you spend the whole day in the uh, mill at Thomastown so right. it's based in an old mill um, just on the river so it's very picturesque mm-hmm. um, and then um, so we get we get taught to sort of I think you throw cylinders maybe in the morning maybe bowls in the afternoon or something so and um, the lectures are looking for how well you can take on instruction how well you work with other people because obviously you're going to be working with the same mm-hmm. people all day every day um, and then sort of how well you can pitch in on things as well because as well as doing all the pottery work we would have done like some sort of building around the site or like if anything needed done so um, like there was a new sort of um, studio space that we helped build when we were there so we would have been plastering the walls and wow. um, yeah so you're sort of <laughs> jack of all trades whenever you're there if yeah. anything needs done you just have to do it 
Um, so yeah, it's good because then whenever you've got your own your own studio, you're gonna have to do yeah, all this right. stuff as well. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And so to get a wee bit crude, is this a paid skills course? Is it like um whenever you're applying for the degrees in uni, is there like set fees or is it no, all so, funded? Yeah, so it's funded by the Designer Class Council of Ireland. Um, the, our year was the first year that they didn't give give you a stipend, so a uh, weekly allowance. So it also changed then for our course. Um, it's now accredited by National University of Ireland, minus. So we left the course with the diploma as well. Okay, so, so you gain a qualification with it as well. Mm-hmm, then? Yeah. So um, it's just like another sort of certificate that we can put down that we've Brilliant. another title. Great. <laughs> and so do um, all the people that go uh, sort of apply for the course, are they generally from north or south of Ireland or were there many other people that sort of travelled for the course? No, I think um, there is possibly four spaces open to... European applicants. I think there's some sort of funding from Europe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, it does say like it's available for international students. So we had maybe a Hungarian, Polish girl. Um, most of them had been living in Ireland for a while, but like you know, so there's maybe I think maybe six Irish, and then lots of different nationalities as well. Mm-hmm. So um, and also the course you don't have to have massive experience in pottery you don't have to be an excellent thrower to start on the course they take you from absolute scratch teach you all the basics again and um, so i know there was a couple of people who had just done like evening courses and wanted like a career change and um just knew that this was right for them and um, worked really hard at it so wow yeah. okay um, but it is very based towards making functional work, or is there a sculptural element at all? Can it allow for that, or is it just wheel-based work? Um, so it's all wheel-based work. There is the opportunity near the end of the course to start to explore your own work. So um, at the start, it's very structured. You get your um, set shapes each week, and then near the end of the course, you start to be able to apply your own designs. So... Um, you, you can make sculpture work, but it's just whatever you decide to make on the wheel yourself. So I think naturally most people on the wheel are sort of drawn to making functional work, but that's mm-hmm. not to say that um, sculpture work can be done on it. Yeah. So yeah, something that I've been thinking about more recently, um, I'd probably like to make more, more one-off pieces that perhaps aren't functional. Um, okay. Because I think we get very much drawn into this, like, okay, so we're just making mugs and bowls and plates, and that's all that we can do. So did you continue the smoke firing whenever you were doing in Thomas Hook? No, so I um, ended up, so we kind of got to explore a few different firings and different glazes, and obviously because we had access to all the bits of equipment, we could do whatever. So I did explore... Um, some electric and some gas start off with and then I really did enjoy the gas firing and probably also like the the communal social aspect of it that you're all firing together and we fired we had a couple of wood kilns down there as well so we fired them and um, you'd be working with like a team of people sort of to fire those or at least one other person so I really enjoyed that and um, 
it's always I always like how someone else there as well just to like talk over like my thoughts or like my glazes are fire so how do you think this is going okay or yeah like how's it going but like I do know all the answers myself but I'm just like I like to like you hear to it hear it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I think like gas firing and wood firing is really good for that and then um also the the gas ponds are quite big so it's good for other potters we can just throw work in and mm. um fill the kiln up then you don't have to fill it all yourself yeah and so it sounds like an amazing kind of community atmosphere that they're building down there. Yeah. Um, and so you're obviously from Portugal, from here, mm-hmm. traveling down to Kilkenny. You moved down there throughout the time you were there. Um, yeah. Did you live with anyone that was so, uh, in the course? Or? Yeah. So I kind of I did find it tricky to find accommodation down there because um, it is quite a small town. Thompson is a very small town. Mm-hmm. And then the next... Um, biggest town would be Kilkenny, it's about 20-25 minutes away from it. So initially moved in with a couple of girls who were on the course and then just the way the lease came up we ended up moving out again and I moved in closer to Kilkenny um, which was better for me because I found it quite a big change moving from Belfast where I'm studying where you know everything's a walking distance mm-hmm. or you can just like phone someone up and meet them in town and you'll go hangout or something um so like even where I moved to Bennett's Bridge um you know if you want to go to the pub to walk across you have to put a high-vis vest on because it's so like rural wow. and there's like you know it's quite dark and there's not much to do it's only the pub you know yeah um so then I was able to drive into Kilkenny and go to the gym there and um do different things the cinema and things like that so um, yeah, I was glad I moved in closer to Kilkenny because um, it can be quite isolating, like working in, in Tomstown, especially during the winter months whenever you can't really go outside and go for a walk or things like that. Mm, great. Okay. Um, so did you know from whenever you graduated at Belfast that you were going to pursue to a, a business um, to making functional pottery or was it whenever you were in Tomstown that that kind of um, cemented for the future then what you were going to... Yeah, I think I always kind of knew because uh, Thomas is very much focused on production where so, you know, working out as, as many pots that you can make in such a short space of time, you know, which will earn you X amount. But I think there's always the option of working then after that, working for another potter mm-hmm. or another business like um, a few of the people here on the course at the minute are working for um, another company so um, I think I knew I would go either one of two directions have my own business or work for someone else mm-hmm. um, whenever I came home to Port Stewart then I kind of sort of relaxed for maybe a month or two and then was trying to maybe work out what I was going to do because there wasn't that many potters on the North Coast who could employ me. So I felt like my only option probably was to set up as a business. But I was happy enough to do so. Um, I feel like I've always been had a wee entrepreneurial streak. So, you know, I, was, I felt quite positive about doing it. To be honest, I thought it would be quite easy and quite natural for me but I've realised now <laughs> it is quite tricky yeah. and uh, you're, you're working non-stop more than seven days a week so mm-hmm. um, but I do really enjoy it so then whenever I came home I ended up just sort of applying for things 
everything and anything that was going and ended up um, doing the Prince's Trust um, Enterprise Programme. So um, that was a wee course for three or four days and then you're able to access um, all their sort of contacts and some funding through them. Mm. So I ended up, um, you can do like a will it work grant, so a test marketing exercise. Um, so I ended up using, I think it's maybe £200 you get to um, get a logo designed for my business, um, get some clay, some glazes and some packaging and that's really just um, to do like a test market. So I think I did a Christmas market and you know made some mugs and things and then after that you're able to go forward to business launch business launch with the Princess Trust and um, it's kind of like a mini Dragon's Den type um, thing. Mm. You go into a room with a couple of um, business people and um, pitch them your idea for a business so I was able to access a little bit more funding through that then as well. Brilliant. Um, so that was really good and I think that was just before I was going to a trade show so I was able to use some of the funding um, sort of to help me get um, set up to go on my first trade show. Brilliant. Yes, it seems like you stretched that quite far. That's yeah. That's what you have achieved. Um, and within Thomastown, did they set you up with any sort of business skills? Because I know the University of Ulster um, try and go from the aspect of showing you how to design and how to plan and, and the more creative aspect rather than prepare you for being self-employed. I mean, with Thomastown, going in those sort of two directions of either working for a potter or becoming an independent potter was there did you know like for example pricing because I did the Prince's Trust as well and it kind of seemed like they were maybe more set up for if you were selling a pre-made product whereas mm -hmm. obviously craft is a very different beast. Yeah pricing and craft is so frustrating else, yeah. yeah um we only did two days of um like business plan and development in Tom's time, which I would have loved to have done more of. And I think craft and making in general, sort of education-wise, they don't prepare you enough for yeah. um, whenever you're actually going into business. Like, it's there's so much. And uh, to be fair, you know, there's only so much that they could teach you. Yeah, and you do have to learn it yourself. But there, it's just so vast, like the business world. like. From things like even you know where to get your packaging from, where to, who who's going to design your logo, and you have to be whenever you're a sole trader as well. You know, jack of all trades. Do you have to be answering the phone calls, sending emails, while making all the products at the same time? Mm. Um. So I definitely think there is scope for more business support. Mm -hmm. Um. Within like arts education, um. There's a massive gap there, and definitely needs filled. Sorry, a dog has just walked past. It's very exciting. This <laughs> <laughs> is the good thing about having a studio here. People can just drop in. So, sorry, I didn't, I failed to mention there before I came to Farfield, I was working from home. So, whenever I sort of started with the Princess Trust, mm -hmm. I had a wee wheel at home in the garage and was working there. Um, and then worked there for probably a good um, year and a half, maybe. Maybe two years before I got another studio space. Great. And so you um, 
you received your funding for the kilns and so on was that you didn't get any funding for your wheel at all or was that something you'd already invested in so i had a wheel that i bought years ago off ebay <laughs> um so i had that just to start me off but it is pretty old and whenever i was throwing larger amounts of clay on it i the wheel was starting to slow down so the motor was obviously wasn't great in it so I was able to get um, some funding through the Arts Council for a new wheel, um, which was great. Um, so I was able to sort of could make what I wanted. The wheel wasn't holding me back, so that was really good. Brilliant. And is it here? You've got three wheels here in your shoe? Yeah, is so one, one of those jacks, and then I've got two of my own. So it's good that I can have, if anyone wants one-to-one -one teaching, oh, brilliant. then yeah. I can hop on a wing and be demonstrating while yeah. um, they're on another wing as well. And Flowerfield have their own uh, kind of little ceramic studio here with how many wheels is it? There's five wheels in next door so um, we can use them for teaching so like I'm doing workshops next week so we'll be um, everyone have a wheel each so we, we do only take like five or six on the course and then mm -hmm. everyone's got their own wheel and can work the whole week on that then. Brilliant. And so you offer adult classes, but also classes for children too? Yeah, so um, July in Flowerfield is Children's Month, so the whole month we were doing ceramic summer schemes. So um, Incredible. Yeah, it was, it was good fun. So we were working with um, air dry clay and then they get a tech up and home with them at the end of the week then. Oh, lovely. Mm -hmm. So... Four different weeks, so uh, different age groups. So I was working with five to seven year olds this time. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was crazy, but it was yeah. good fun. Yeah, yeah. Keeps on your toes. Yeah, exactly. It was wrecked. It was only two hours long. It was wrecking in. <laughs> and then the obviously with August craft month, then we've got the two um four day adults courses. Then so we'll be teaching them next week. Gosh, that's so intense. I mean, even just to do one workshop with your sharing skills, but to do to have so many lined up. Yeah. Um, and then doing them with uh, such a good group of people as well. That's great. Yeah, so um, summer has been sort of a busy time, so I don't mind it so much because then probably in the winter months or January, February time, it'll be quieter. So. Yeah, no, that's it. And probably preparing more for markets or yeah. stockists. And, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. Kind of anyway, I think with like... Um, teaching as I just have to take it whenever it comes along because then you know you might have a quiet spell so yeah no, it's good I do enjoy it as well. Are you required that are you and um, is it mandatory that to have this space you have to provide certain workshops in the area or? No no um it's just sort of um there's a few different parts here locally that if one of us wasn't available the other one would step in so and um, we've got like a good team of people all work together and there's loads of other sort of um, different workshops that go on here as well. There's glasswork and painting and things upstairs. So Brilliant. Yeah. So you were mentioning about you got some funding as well um, to prepare for a trade show. Mm -hmm. uh, could you talk about your trade show that you took part Yeah, so I went to New Designers in London So Amazing. for recent graduates. So I was in the one year on section. So one year after I graduated from um, Thomastown. So it was interesting for my first um, trade show. I don't know if I would do that again like over in England because it was so, so much hassle trying to get all the work over there and sort of before I arrived and then 
I didn't have anyone over there sort of to receive the work and then I ended up flying over by myself to set everything up so I think it's, it's a lot for one person to do especially yes. over yeah. and then for your first trade show um, but yeah it went really well and um, had lots of interest and then sort of I think um, you could sell off your stand as well so sold a good few bits and pieces and then um, yeah so it was good with one year on there's a little bit of extra support um with sort of set up and they got your names printed and put out on your stand for you and maybe provided the tables I think as well mm. um so yeah it was a good trade show to do um but just sort of for a first trade show and then over in England there's a lot to take on just um so aside from the stress would you say that maybe it was worth it financially um, probably not because whenever you add all the costs up with flights, accommodation, um, the amount you ended up spending, I was lucky I got a wee bit of funding sort of for postal work over, um, but then things like food as well, so yeah. um, I probably didn't take that into account for my first show, I'm a bit more wary of things now whenever I go to shows like, um, you know, booking an accommodation well in advance making sure you get it the best price you're teaming up with someone else who's going as well mm -hmm. so um but i had an experience that the first time around to work out and yeah. that's the thing you know with running your own business you do have to do all these things um like you do try and learn from other people's mistakes as well you have a look around and see what they're doing and chat to other people like i would a lot of my friends would all be makers as well and um, probably all potters but um, just sort of see what shows are worth doing and what ones aren't. Mm -hmm. okay. And in terms of your design, um, you've got a beautiful range now, is that something that you worked on in Thomas Town or is that something that you're constantly developing and improving on? Or? Yeah, no, I'd say it's definitely something that I'm working on and improving on. I, Thomas Town was a good starting point for me. I still has some designs that are very similar to things that I worked on there and some that have come out of those designs. Um, I'm happy now getting to the stage where I'm happy I've got a sort of set range that I'm more or less happy to go to shops with or things like that. Um, but I'm working on a few more new pieces at the minute and I've got another trade show coming up so just want to cement um, that range in and then it's just easier then to go to shops with things like you get a lot of people coming to you oh we like this but we'd like it tweaked in this way or, or oh, do, you, do you have that in a different colour and it's just kind of you know you have to get to the stage where no this is my range and I'm happy with it yeah. so it yeah. takes some people all of that feedback and discussion but people know exactly what you're, you're doing and I think that's important as well if you're getting photographs taken because I know I've had photographs done and then you change a product slightly and you're like, oh, that's not really an accurate photo anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like that must be really helpful as well. And your colour um, palette, whenever you left Thomas Town, it was kind of more um, neutral and now you kind of want quite a bright yeah. range. How did that come about? Was that just glaze testing? And yeah, so the the work in Thomas Town, it was, um, some of it was quite dark as well, like a dark tomoko, um brown and that was just as a result of like the gas firing and the firings that I was working with down there and then I 
near the end of Fort Wheaton and Thomastown, I had some sort of discussions with lecturers and we had discussed colour, um, but it was something that I definitely needed to work on and I think um, I just continued to develop it then whenever I got home and then also then the factor of not having a gas kiln there, had to start to sort of develop a new range and then the bright sort of brighter colours just sort of come from that as well and then I was always sort of told like um, the dark browns are like a potter's glaze, you know potters love it but then people prefer like brighter things, they like to see like nice clean white mugs to see if they're clean inside and things like that. Um, so I suppose it is a little bit as well of what the customer wants and yeah. um, factoring that in as well. So you work predominantly in stoneware. Mm -hmm. uh, what temperature at stoneware are you firing it? So it's sort of between 12, 20 to 12, 40. So that's the top temperature. Um, so I'm still, um, before I'm going to this trade show, I'm just making sure that I'm 100% happy with the firings and the colours before I go because the trade shows in China so I don't want to be bringing work out there and then go actually change my mind <laughs> don't want that. Um, so um, yeah so it's within that firing range I sort of like the way the clay and the colour of the clay at that stage um, and the way it's fired so yeah I'm happy with that. Right. Um, so the trade show that you're doing is it's the International Ceramics Industry Expo mm -hmm. in Lilling, is it? Yeah. Is that my saying that right? Yeah. In China. Um, How did that come about? So I just I saw the opportunity online and then another potter that I would do a bit of work with, Helen Faulkner. She had been last year and I saw it come up again on Facebook, I think, and um just emailed Australia Invest and I and the European Enterprise Network. Mm -hmm. So it's fully um, funded, all expenses paid, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like I totally, I wouldn't be going otherwise. It's not something that I've ever kind of thought about. It's heading out that way yeah. to sell ceramics, but um, it's a fantastic opportunity to meet other people, other makers, make some connections out there, and. Um, like showcase my work on like an international platform like it's Absolutely. an amazing opportunity yeah because I think wasn't it didn't Helen go it, I mean they, they made it look absolutely incredible from the feedback or from yeah. what they posted online but it wasn't it Ellen Cunningham as well, Ellen Helen as well yeah so they're both Brilliant. going again this year oh they're going again this year yeah oh, fantastic that's great so there's a big and there's a bigger group of us going this year so yeah it should be good fun and does that make it easier to travel with a whole pile of ceramics I would imagine like it's <laughs> a different story but I'm sure yeah. trying to get like a whole load of yeah creative ceramics <laughs> you know easily breakable items across how are you managing that yeah so whenever I see jewelers turn up at the trade shows of the sick <laughs> like, oh. but um we I think we're going to try and put them into suitcases I did bring some stuff over whenever I was traveling to the trade show in London in a suitcase and it was fine um but yeah it's just gonna have to be really well wrapped and you know, the tech 
it on someone's hand luggage, maybe someone in a suitcase. Mm. Um, oh, that stresses me out, the yeah. idea of it going in the hold, because, I mean... <laughs> no horror story she still has to do. <laughs> no, no, like, I've not had any horror stories, thankfully, but the idea of just putting ceramics, you just, yeah, that's, that's very scary. Yeah, <laughs> everything is. is crossed for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, a lot of my work's quite small as well, so... Um, like small jugs and chutney pots and mugs so even if you bring a couple of each thing and um, we'll get them well wrapped up and like you know whenever you end up in business like this you end up just thinking on your feet if something breaks you know we'll we'll work it out it'll be fine like but you're not having to bring like it's not like a selling opportunity is it so you're it's not like a like the um structure of like a craft fair so you're not needing to bring a lot of stock to sell. No, yeah, so it's just sort of um, for trade for retailers to come and have a look at, but I think you can sell the stock as well, but we're still looking into um, like the customs. There's oh, yes. like some stuff that we have to go through a lot of paperwork and things, so um, although it is like free opportunity, we have to do a lot of um, paperwork before we go so we have to get that all sorted in the next week or so it's quite a fast turnaround for the opportunity so like I maybe applied for it like three or four maybe maybe four weeks ago now and we're leaving it's in the last week in September wow. yeah. and how long is that? how long are you going to be there? I think it's either seven or ten days wow so yeah, I don't even know. I'm just gone. There was some pots in the suitcase and had them playing. But um, yeah, um, so it doesn't give an awful lot of time to make work for it. So I've got some in, some in stock and then um, hopefully I've got a few new pieces before I go. <laughs> Brilliant, yeah. I know ceramics is just so time consuming in every manner of the word. It's just, it's not like I, I got an inquiry actually the other day. I'm saying, oh, can you make this uh, flour onto the plate? I need it for um, Wednesday. And this was Monday yeah. um, that they messaged. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely no. I know. So there's so many times, especially like early on in my business, where I said, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just get to the stage now, more so recently, where I'm like, no, because sometimes you end up making it for them and they, then they don't come and pick it up for yeah. another week or two. And, you know, like, I'd be fast firing the kilns and, you know, putting myself and my um, equipment under stress just to get things out. And I don't even think people realise how long it takes mm-hmm. sometimes to get work through. Um, you know, whenever people are coming to workshops, oh, so can we come and pick this up, you know, tomorrow and the next day? I'm like, no. <laughs> Gosh, even the drying alone. I find the weather has been really inconsistent lately. There's some days where it's really hot. And then other days where it's just so, so humid and the even the rain as well. It's just taking forever to get everything dry. So, But you're brilliant in here. This seems really like a great environment where at least it can be consistent. Is it consistent for you drying? Or? It is, yeah. Well, we normally probably have the radiator off or on low. And then obviously... Oh my God, you have a radiator? That's like... <laughs> yeah. Serious thing. I whenever I was in my garage, I was like, any heat I got was whenever I put the kiln on. Yeah. <laughs> it's a ponderous radiator. But... Um, An expensive... Yeah. <laughs> Um, so as a non sorry as a non ceramicist, um, how long would it actually take? Um, I have picked up bits and pieces from Gemma, <laughs> um, but say if you make something on a Monday, when 
in terms of glazing and drying and firing and glaze firing and all of this other jazz, mm-hmm. like how long does that process take and what are the steps of the process just for non-ceramic? Yeah, so say I, I'm throwing something, so maybe something on the pottery wheel on like Monday, um, like maybe Tuesday it would dry and Wednesday I'd return it, so finish it on the bottom. Okay. Um, like Thursday, Friday, leave it to dry maybe Saturday as well so maybe three days is drying but it does depend on the atmosphere mm-hmm. around it so say if we had the radiators all night they my work would be dry the next day um whereas like Jack works in porcelain and it, the drying can be a bit different in different clays so he might get some cracking if his work dries too fast okay. so we would generally just have like no heat on or a radiator very low on so mm-hmm. um my work would maybe dry a wee bit slower but you know you just learn to put it in different places so whenever we were we were starting out our lectures put a bowl on a top shelf in a room and then a bowl on a bottom shelf and then that allowed us to see the difference in drying so like the one on top shelf would be dry straight away because there's more air circulating around it um, and then with um, glazing wise and firing so then you could fire it um, sort of after three or four days for the first firing which is a biscuit yeah. firing or a bisque firing and then that's going to a thousand degrees and then you just take it out after it'll take a couple of days to fire that take it out and then glaze fire it or glaze it and glaze fire it and that'll take another couple of days so. okay. Yeah, it's a long enough process. Yeah, yeah, it's very long. So, um, what's your success rate for each of those stages? I mean, do is there a certain stage that you lose, or do you have a loss rate at all? Um, from this firing, the first firing would generally be absolutely fine. Um, maybe like in the early stages, and whenever maybe at uni or something. You would maybe get some cracking in the bottom if you didn't like make it well enough or maybe hand was cracking off. I mean, we'd still get the old one here and there, but it would generally be okay. And then glaze firing would be a little bit more risky for me just because I might end up missing a spot of glaze somewhere or maybe I don't really get any running onto the shelves. I used to more so in the gas kiln if there was a wee area that was too hot, the glaze would run onto the shelf or maybe um yeah, I've done I've had it a couple of times in an electric kiln but um yeah it's maybe more so like um you've missed spots of glaze or if you've got we would wax the bottom of our pots so mm-hmm. no glaze would go on them so mm-hmm. maybe you've a bit of wax has got onto somewhere else in the pot and you would um Sometimes you can refire them, put a wee bit of glaze on, refire them, but mm. sometimes it's just not worth it. You can yeah. just yeah. sell them as a second or something. So are you making your glaze? Um, is that your own recipe you've developed? Yeah, so I use a couple of different glazes. Um, one of them I buy in, um, one of them I make up myself. Um, but I'm looking to develop my own one now because whenever you make up your own ones, it's easier just to change them if you don't, if there's something going wrong a wee bit. So... Um, that's what I'm doing before I go to China and um, just developing my own glaze um, it's also a bit more unique to yourself as well and then um, you know it's kind of a bit more of a signature 
Mm-hmm. Um, color and style as well. Brilliant. Okay. So, trade show in China. Uh, what's next then? What's coming after that? Um, it's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I've very much been taking like um, the summer sort of a week at a time because I've been so busy like mm-hmm. teaching and different fairs and things. I think after China, um, if I get any um, orders from that, I'll be focusing on them. And then if not, um, I'm thinking about doing a wee bit more one-off work, possibly sculptural or um, larger scale. I quite like working on a larger scale, but don't get much opportunity to just because the things that sell are sort of mugs and smaller yeah. smaller items. But um, I really enjoy making like platters, like bread platters, like quite big pieces like there's photos on my website of me making like quite big yeah it's so impressive like a massive i've seen it i love it so much <laughs> it looks incredible was that you done at thomas Town? yeah in thomas Town. so i think it's like maybe 15 pound um wow. platter so yeah so i'd love to try and get a few more of those fired and then i'd be able to have them sort of in stock for exhibitions and things so it just um takes a bit more time whenever there's exhibitions coming up to get things ready it would be good to have sort of a, some stuff that I've already got great so where are you mostly selling then do you have an online shop or is it stockists yeah so I would do the odd shop update online I need to get a bit better at doing them <laughs> it's just whenever I've got any extra stock um, to put up there I sell I have some a wee retail section just in the art centre here so and um, there's um, some stock down there uh, and then I was doing a lot of commission work as well for like um, restaurants um, cafes I make like a, a special range for a little Beck house on the north coast here and um, Broom Beck on the Lisbon Road I um, made range of mugs for them so they use them for like their specialty teas and things and then I would do um some work for like I'm working with a venue at the minute as um chat just about beforehand so I would do some work with decals as well so I can print people's logos or designs or um sort of names and things of brands on to the mugs so mm-hmm. um, I quite like working with like restaurants and cafes and things it's quite interesting working with them. Are they looking mostly to put their own signature um, look on the pieces or are you free to kind of um, have it look like your own aesthetic? Um, they quite like having their own but they do give me a wee bit of sort of creative license to um, maybe make up a few samples and then they get to pick whatever one they like. Brilliant. Very nice. Do you mind if I ask where does most of your, where does the weight of your income come from? Is it, you know, stockers? Is it uh, online sales to yourself? Is it markets? Is it, you know, those commissions? Um, probably mixture. I also would do a lot of like artisan markets. So I would I do, we have naturally North Coast and Glens markets on the North Coast. So they're really good. Um, would do them sort of um Christmas, um Easter, all the big um, markets in the year, and then like I did Galway Potter's Market um a couple of weeks ago, uh and then I would work with a lot of stock. So, 
um, or sorry, like commission work. So then, like through naturally North Coast and Lions, I got in touch with the local soap maker. So, um, she commissioned me to make a range of soap dishes just for her. So, um, yeah, sort of especially commission work like that as well. I get a lot of fantastic. So how did the Galway Potters Market go? Because that's an outdoor event, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was good. Uh, typical Irish weather. We we got oh, four seasons in one day. Oh gosh. But um, yeah, it was good. It was nice to chat to other potters. Everyone's really supportive of each other. Mm. Um, it's got a really good reputation now. The market does, for having yeah. um sort of really good quality um, potters coming to it so I was really glad to get sort of an application process to get in and um, get selling at it the Saturday the weather was great and then the Sunday we got absolutely rained out oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> but it was an experience and yeah no it was good and Galway's a fantastic city as well so it was mm. lovely to be back there I've been down a few times so Brilliant. And how does that work? Do you have to bring your own like gazebo or is that supplied? Yeah, so you can bring your own or you can just um, have a table so you don't have to have a gazebo. Um, so I didn't by the end of the weekend because it was okay. so windy. <laughs> oh, yeah. We ended up taking them down um, but, but then it rained so I was, yeah, it is a tough market to do but I'd say if the weather um, is in your favour then yes, it would be fantastic. And you've got an exhibition here in Clarefield at the moment, don't you? Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, we've got it on for August Craft Month. Um, so I think it's the Craft of Making, it's called. Um, so it's a couple of different um, makers. There's myself, Adam Frew, um, I think Alex Gall might have some work on it, uh, Catherine Keenan. So, yeah, a couple of different makers um, just for August Craft Month. Brilliant, very nice. And how long is that on for? Is that ending on the 31st for August? I think, yeah, on the 31st or maybe just slightly before it. And then um, we're having an open studio as well in the last three days in August. So, um, 29th, 30th, and 31st. So, um, open studio and then um, pottery sales as well. So we'll have um, lots of firsts and then some seconds Great. as well. Yeah, Perfect. so myself and Jack. Very nice. Would you ever think of doing something like Showcase? Because obviously you're doing two big trade shows, one which was in England and mm-hmm. one which is in China. I mean, they seem like quite... I've never done a trade show, but they seem quite scary, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and I, as I've never done one, I've never done Showcase either, but obviously it being more local, would that be something you would ever... I would yeah like it's a fantastic show the only thing is I after the first trade show I was so traumatised I was like I don't think I'll do any more trade shows but then the opportunity for China came up and I was like yeah no I can't turn that down yeah. Um, so I probably would leave it a year or two before I'm definitely set on my range mm-hmm. and my colours and um, I've actually found um like I did an, I did a third trade show or second before ten. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um down in Dublin and it was good but then I kind of found I was ended up stalking some places down south and 
there was places on the north coast people are like oh where are you stopped around here and then I'm like oh Dublin it's <laughs> 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 the closest place so I, I think I'll probably focus more on um, just approaching retailers and mm. um, you know stopping more places around the north coast in Northern Ireland first of all and then um, maybe go to a trade show after that but Sometimes you can be better just having a chat with people face to face and, mm-hmm. and like the trade shows can be very expensive and the very long days and the set set up and take down as well. So yeah. So what are you looking for in a stockist? Um do you offer wholesale? Is it sale of return? What what do you prefer? Um wholesale. Um just because a sale or return you just don't know what you're gonna get and when you're gonna get it, just for a more stable income. I'd probably prefer wholesale. Um, I do. I, I do probably one stockist or two that sale or return, just because I know them quite well. And um, you know, some stockists you need to. It's probably better on working with recommendations from other makers because some stockists pay faster than others. Some sell fat better. So it's just trying to work out which ones are the best ones to work with. Yeah. Fantastic. And um, you were saying that you're going over to China with uh, Helen Faulkner. Mm-hmm. How did you uh, meet Helen? Was that? Um, so Helen was based down in Thomastown before mm-hmm. she came back home up north again. So um, I maybe met her down there and then whenever I came home again, before I kind of set up in business myself, Helen was quite busy with her own business, so I um helped her out a couple of days. So I would work for her the odd day. She's got a big order on, and um, so I was up with her recently again. Um, so we just have stayed in touch, and then she was down in Galway as well. And I I remembered her saying about China. So um yeah, she's been very good at sort of sharing opportunities and and generally like all the sort of partners network in Ireland has are quite good with each other and sharing things so so there is quite a close community then of sort of shared information yeah I think so um or I suppose you have to just be open yourself and then um people sort of reciprocate and um you know I think you do have to be like that whenever you know you're working with things like kilns and something breaks down and then you need to borrow equipment and things like that you know it's the worst thing in the world. So whenever if it happens to someone else, I'm happy enough to help them out. Yeah, you know, you'd like to think they'll return the favour at some point. So great, brilliant. Uh, so we like to ask a few uh, random questions, a few quick questions, just to get to know you. That yeah. may or may not be related to your practice, but that's okay. Um, so you said that um, you're going to China and so on. Uh, is traveling something that you like to do? Where was the last place you traveled? Uh, yeah, I do. Um. I'm trying to think. the The last big holiday I went on was um I went to New York at Easter, mm-hmm. so it probably was a wee bit of a um creative business trip as well. So I went with a, a friend who's an art teacher, mm-hmm. so we hit all the main art galleries in oh, New York and um, Guggenheim and all the museums as well. So um. Whenever I came back from it, I actually felt like I needed another holiday. So we'd done, <laughs> we'd done all the galleries, all the tours, feet walked off us. So, um, yeah, it wasn't much of a holiday. It was probably more business than pleasure, actually. <laughs> but no, it was good. I enjoyed it. So, um, it'll be good whenever we're going to China. I think um, 
there's lo- there's a sort of big ceramics festival on, or there's there'll be loads on. So from from what Helen was saying from last year, um, there'll be lots for us to see and do, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing their culture and all. So maybe yeah. having like some potter studios over there, so we can. Absolutely, yeah, because I mean, it's such a different culture over there in terms of even craft mm-hmm. as well, you know, because I mean, everybody, you know, knows you've got everything comes from China, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, you know, to, to go over um, for that kind of um, subject will be brilliant. So mm-hmm. Hopefully, everything's kind of calmed down by then for you as well, because there's just know, there's yeah. so much going on over there at the moment, and the human rights that are being violated is horrendous, so. yeah, but um. Either side, I don't know how close sorry. <laughs> um, sorry, either side of when do you arrive? When does the show start? When does the show finish? When I think yeah, on? I think it's quite a tight schedule. Um, I need to so our flights I don't think have yet to be booked. So because okay. um, <laughs> we're all working through um our representative from Best Ally here, but she's the point of contact for the person in China. So then. If we're not booking anything, it's all been booked through them. So, um, I've just got my faith in them at the minute that <laughs> we are actually going. <laughs> but yeah, they'll be booked this week. So hopefully, yeah, I think it, it is a tight sort of turnaround. But I think we've got maybe a day or something or the evening time sort of to um chill out and have a look around. So it'll be it'll be good. Excellent. Great. And so, what do you do um that is not pottery related? Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> I know most of my life is probably poverty. Um, so uh, we were at Stendhal Festival there at the weekend, so it was good fun. Um, but we were doing pottery um, workshops during the day, and then but we were able to enjoy some music last night, so that was really good fun. And then generally, on a during the weekend, um, be quite big into like my fitness, so I'd. We go in the gym sort of Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then um, I enjoy running as well. So um, I think it's probably good whenever you're working, sitting down all day in the studio, that you can get out and take a bit of time just to forget about pottery and do something else. Yeah, of course. Do you not find that whenever you're running, though, you do nothing but think about, you know, oh, I wonder, you know, when am I going to put the glaze on? <laughs> I actually, sorry, this is completely off schedule, but um, how did your, you were saying you go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that's quite structured. I mean, are you structured in the studio and obviously sharing the studio with another ceramicist? Mm-hmm. Do you work to figure out timing of drying that you'll, you know, both put a fire in at the same time or is it... You know, do you come in Monday at nine and leave at five, or do times kind of? Yeah, well, um, so we sort of have twenty four access to the studio, which is good. Um, I'd always work at least nine to five Monday to Friday, but um, you know, some yeah, most days I'd maybe come in. I'd never sort of come in sort of past half nine. I'd try to be in before that, and then sort of stay at least till half five, but. Um, like in the winter months there'd be a lot of evening classes on here so mm-hmm. I I have enough to stay later whenever there's loads of people about and just work on um, there's probably not that much to do on the dark nights in the North Coast so I'm happy just to to do a bit of extra work um, like you always end up working like this week I've worked six days um, and then you're in today as well. Sorry, we won't call this work. Um, and then 
tomorrow I'll be yeah, straight back into prep and then I've got the four day course again. So um yeah, then but it is with self employment like you can, you know, take a day off in the middle yeah. of the week then and um it is hard to come to come to terms with sometimes like yeah, it's okay to take a day off during the week or um yeah, I have been thinking about sort of like starting to clock my hours and make sure like how many hours am I actually working a week because uh, it's hard to tell. Yeah. You just kind of guess me. Oh, sure, I can take half a day off today, can't I? Yeah. <laughs> it's Brilliant. fine. But yeah, it is probably one of the main struggles being self employed, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially even in terms of pricing, because I think that's why I was asking about uh, pricing previously. Like, I think that you have some amazing potters that have been trained for so long. I know I'm thinking of at least two people in particular um but who sell for relatively cheaply mm-hmm. um but i suppose that's just because they're able to genuinely whip them out so quickly they mm-hmm. know exactly their process um and i think in terms of jewelry what isn't always necessarily included in the price is as you say the emails the phone calls the marketing the you know setup takedown all of that jazz yeah so i think taking into consideration that time definitely would help with pricing and making sure that you are being paid mm-hmm. a decent wage for yeah. all of your hard work and lack of weekends. Yeah, so like, pro- it's probably taken me until the past four months maybe to realise that I, you know, I need to start charging a lot more for the work that I'm actually mm-hmm. doing. And I think once you start charging a bit more, people will actually recognise it. Yeah. Um, and to look at other people's prices and to realise that who are more well established and to realise that the only reason they are still making is because they are charging more and there is no no shame in charging, you know, quite a lot for yeah. the work that you're making because um there is a lot of work that goes into it and people who who aren't makers don't realise it but um just because they haven't been shown or, or haven't seen somebody make it the whole the whole mm-hmm. process like yourself you were asking earlier how long does it take like you probably wouldn't realize that before speaking with um a potter so i think yeah it's probably more so important on our part to educate people as to all the different processes that go into making something yeah. and that's why we can justify pricing it at a higher price point um, because I think that is the, the big issue, you know, people get so many things and um, you, you can walk into Primark, for example, and at the jeweller, uh, they can buy a pack of nine earrings for like a pound fifty, mm-hmm. and obviously to make that quantity of earrings and the price it properly would be over a hundred pounds or so, yeah, yeah. probably more. Um, and obviously you're talking about different quality of material and making and all the rest, but I think there is, especially in terms of a consumer, there is a lack of understanding of, okay, well, why can I have nine pairs of earrings for £150, £2, mm-hmm. and yet well, a pair of earrings from you know a maker is so much more. And I think night classes is a great way of educating the public to mm-hmm. make them understand and appreciate what they are buying into. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of people think that it is quite a privileged life to be self-employed, and it is. But to run a craft business just seems to be quite difficult in terms of getting 
the support as well because as you were saying about Princess Trust, I've done Princess Trust as well and they were brilliant in terms of um, you know if you wanted to set up like a bike repair shop or something or you wanted to sell wholesale washing machines you know but those people aren't making the washing machines and selling the washing machines yeah. whereas that's you know the nature of a craft business mm -hmm. is that you're part of every single you know yeah, part of the design you. you're part yeah. of everything you so, are the biggest yeah. yeah so I think um, certainly something that I'm hoping that we get across through the podcast as well is that people will understand and appreciate that making a wee uh, piece of woven material takes X number of time and ceramics takes you know a lot longer so that people can appreciate the slow nature of it as well mm -hmm. and that's why it's so unique and that's why you should pay more for a mug rather than something from Dunn's. and you're doing it brilliant because it's you amazing. are starting them young with your children's workshops as well. <laughs> and you're getting that in there early which yeah. is exactly what you need to plant that seed yeah. and you're potentially creating a future Fiona Shannon if you were saying that you were also yeah. inspired by ceramics yeah. in Flowerfield yeah. <laughs> yeah no Flowerfield is beautiful it's been such a pleasure to be here today yeah um the grounds alone are fantastic and yeah. the drive up is great as well but your space is just wonderful it's great and Thank it's brilliant that they're offering so much as well to access mm -hmm. um you know this kind of culture which is great yeah so can people drop in and how into your studio? Are you appointment only, or are you? How do people? Yeah, you know, um, I have enough um for people to drop in. It's um, Flowerfield is open to the general public anyway, sort of Monday to Friday, nine to five, and then um nine to one on a Saturday, I think. But um, yeah, so I would normally be here at least nine to five, or sort of I'll. I don't live too far away, so I just pop out for lunch or something. So I'll always sort of be around here, and then I have like um some pieces that you can buy in the wee retail section in um at reception, and then some seconds and things in the studio. So um yeah, happy enough just to drop in whenever. Brilliant. And how can people watch your journey then? Uh, where can they follow you or get in touch? Yeah, so I'm on um all so social media platforms, Facebook. Instagram uh, and then my website as well and FiunaShannonCeramics.com Brilliant. Great. Amazing. Thank you so much for making conversations with us today. No problem. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much Fiona for making conversations with us. We had a wonderful time down in Flowerfields Art Centre. Beautiful venue, so if you haven't been, I thoroughly recommend it. And unfortunately, that's the end of our Making Conversations Maker Series for 2019. We have some very exciting things planned for 2020, so please do tune in for those and keep an eye on our Instagram for any following information. If you have any makers that you'd like to hear more from or you would like to listen to them in a making conversations podcast please do get in contact and let us know who they are thank you so much for going on us for this journey we hope you've enjoyed it as much as we do until next year see you again bye